Blog Talk Radio. We maybe should just start talking yeah. over the jazzy music. I, I anyway. think it'll be cool anyway. Hello, everybody. This is Mark <laughs> Eastman from com, And with me today, as always, is Shane Leonard. Hello. And today, uh, hopefully you are aware, uh, we gave you plenty of notice of what's going on. We are taking a break this week from movies. And for me, I have to just come clean and admit that it's because I am – utterly disinterested in watching the movie that I theoretically would be watching this week. Oh, <laughs> I thought we were just going to create it's, a very solid foundation going just, forward, and it, now it was, there was nothing it else just, there. It just works out that this is a good time to do that. <laughs> okay. Because otherwise, we are getting too close, I think, to weeks where we would have to have a second show in a week because right. there's too much stuff that's too big coming out, so we would never get an, another good chance to do it, and this just worked out to be the week. Right. So what we are doing this week is we're going to be going over how we come up with our ratings, right? our theories of what it takes for a movie to be a five-star movie or a good movie. Do they really or, exist? Or a three-star movie. Uh, we'll probably be talking a lot about lists because we have different views <laughs> on lists, lists. Yeah. five stars. Yeah. And people who uh, are regular readers of the website will know that I, I disclaim everyone <laughs> that I ever write as being <laughs> something that I'm basically forced to do as a movie critic. You have to come out with your best of the year list. Yes. I mean, that's just that's just a given. I have to actually vote on movies and everything, and then you, there's sort of a list thing going on there. Anyway, but I, I'm not a big fan of them. So we're going to be talking about our theories of goodness, right? how we get five stars, how we get three stars, Well, uh, yeah, and, and lists and everything. And then at the end, hopefully, if we don't go <laughs> insane talking right. about this, we're going to just look at what is – Coming, coming up. up in the next weeks and maybe yeah, months, depending on how far we get. Well, I should, you know, certainly because you have the website and you have the reviews that you have to put forth on a routine basis, this is why you generate lists. A- and you don't like them, and I understand that. I love lists. I'm a huge listophile. I'll make lists about why I like lists and the lists about things that I don't, you know, I'll, I'll take it to extremes because I enjoy it so much. Lists so much have been a fun um, exercise that it's become uh, in recent years. Everyone loves the bracketology of things, which is the new list. Right. I'm, I'll bracketology anything. I'll list anything. It doesn't matter. To get to this point, though, um, for many, many, many years, um, family has. We've been a huge purveyor of entertainment: media, TV, music, movies, books, and we often, at the end of the year, we create our lists and we share them with each other before everyone goes back to wherever they've had to go for their jobs right. or their schools. So I create lists every year of the top 10 or top 8 or top 20, whichever the flexible um, parameters set up for movies, music, things like that. So that's why I generate lists. And as we were talking just before the lead-in, um, part of the fun in doing that is being able to look back with a little bit of distance um, because every 
And we do this, like I said, yearly. Every 10 years, there's a best of the decade list. And right. to look back through them and see, wow, did I really like, you know, There Will Be Blood better than I liked this? Exactly. You know, do I, do I still feel that way? Or, you know, you, you would think after 10 years, you would just, for example, take the number one pick out of every year, and there would be your top 10 of the decade. But right. it actually doesn't work that way. It very rarely works that way. Right. Um, usually something that was number four you look back on and you're like, wow, I really, really loved that movie. I can't believe I put it at four. That's number one. Right. So in any regard, that's why I have lists, not just right. – I don't think most people, unless they have something really fun to do, they keep lists of the films or the books that they read or – Sure. Well, you know, it's actually kind of a big thing now. I mean, a lot of people <clears> do it with uh, – you know, Amazon or Flickster <laughs> That's or true. You know, whatever. It's thing. a lot easier. And they, to... they make a bunch of lists and then I'm not that big on how this goes on Amazon <laughs> exactly, but apparently it gets you some popularity and oh, you write wow, reviews know. on Amazon and, you know, whatever. But if you go on Amazon and look up movies or something, you will see, you know, my 10 favorite this, that, right. and the other thing, <laughs> and it's a big thing to make lists. Okay. I, I should actually clarify slightly on my dislike of lists, which. Anyone who's read a a list on my site will know because I I try to go through this because you, you sort of have to if you yeah. if you have a weird position like I do you sort of have to yeah at, at least reference it whenever you're writing a list I don't like lists because I have to put them in order if I could make <laughs> a list of the ten best movies of the year right and it has no order. I'd be okay with that. Right. But when I have to take those, and it, depending on the year, it will usually end up that I will go, you know, this one goes to 15. Right. I'm I'm just not, You're just not calling it at 10. Yeah. Depend, it depends on the year, and it depends on, you know, what came out and everything. But sometimes it's 15, and even if it's not, I usually have a huge list of yeah. the almost movies and all that sort of thing. If I could just make the 10 best movies of the year list, and I got to just say this is in no particular order, it would be great, and I would have no problem doing it. When I have to take those 10 movies and go, you know, this one is better than this one or something, like, especially there, you know, if we go back a couple years, I guess this is the 2010 list that I'm looking at. Um, I've got Kick-Ass, and Black Swan, right? both Two on the same list. Totally different creatures. Now, in one sense, I find that pretty easy to put Black Swan first, just because I really, really loved that movie. Okay. But it, it could easily be, you know, another, you have your number one movie or right. your number three movie. I mean, because Black Swan was my number one movie. Right. If you have other movies that you, you know, you've got number three versus number seven, and number seven is kick-ass. And right. whatever drama-type movie you've got at three or four, and you're comparing them, and you're going, which one of these is a better movie? I'm just, it, it's not that I, I guess, don't like doing it or or have some aversion to doing it. I just don't want to do it. I, I don't I don't feel like anybody gets anything actually out of someone saying kick ass is better than right. you know, whatever. I mean Well in that point alone, I understand it. I, I I get it from an you know an educated perspective. But there's so many avenues to do what we're doing, you know, out there now. I think the purpose of it is to 
align yourself with um, not necessarily a group. It's not like creating a list of followers that see things the same way you do. But I know people who religiously love movies, and they pretty much find they live and die by Peter Travers' reviews, that he, the writer, the reviewer for Rolling Stone magazine, he pretty much is the exact same voice that they have. He just has an avenue for it. So when they they want to find out if they would really like, you know, a new movie, if they want to find out if they're going to like John Cusack's new film, they'll look to Peter Travers and see, well, did he like it? Because he and I are almost always the same. Right. In this regard, as a reviewer and as a, you know, as a person who takes it to that extent, whether seriously or for employment or any number of combinations, this, I think, is the reason that you do it. Right. Because it, 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 not a, justifying is too hard a word because it's not really the justifi- justification that you need, but it's sort of like a clarifier. I think that it, it, it aligns people, whether are you, a, are you a Mark Eastman guy, are you a Peter Travers guy, are you a Shane Leonard guy, Roger sure. Ebert, like who do you, because we have different who's, tastes. Who's your films. reviewer? You know, we have different tastes. We can go to a film and see the same movie and have relatively the same experience, but I can see why, because I'm more a fan of horror genres than you, like we talked about right. last week, I can see why certain people are going to like Cabin in the Woods that maybe, not that you can't, but that you don't think of right off. So right. I, I guess that's my point on it, which is why why lists or a hierarchy if you just don't want to make it a list is necessary for a reviewer. It's almost like it's almost like an application for your license to review. You have to produce this right. to validate what you're doing. Otherwise, it's just a free-for-all. Well, and I do like mm-hmm. lists uh, for that reason, because if you come to a new movie critic, however you do it and wherever you do it, yeah. whatever one movie review you're reading, that might not tell you anything. Right. Uh, Absolutely. Ho- hopefully it will tell you something. <laughs> but the fact that I didn't like whatever does not really register with anyone right. as well unless they have a whole lot of stuff of mine to work with right, or right. whatever reviewer. And so a list is just a good way to get a lot of that. Yeah, it's breaking in a hurry. Like, look, let's right. get this out of the way. Yeah, right. And you know, it's not like I don't make lists either. I have like a best of the decade list. No, I understand. I have a best movie ever list, right. which is really old, and so now it, <laughs> it needs some updating. It but. doesn't. It doesn't count anymore. But I do like them because you can just have them there to point people at. Yeah. And someone can go, you know, what movies did I see in 2010 that are on this list that I thought were great or something mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, bearing that in mind, the other thing that I have every year is before you actually get to my list, there's usually something like the movies that are on everybody else's list that aren't on my list. Right. Because that's another <laughs> yeah. thing that I, I could <laughs> just, you know, being in the movie review circle right. that just bugs me so much is when you can go to like a hundred different people's list of the best movies of the year and nine out of ten movies on every single list They're all are the same, same movie. Yeah. And I'm like, War Horse was not that good. Right. But, right. but it's, you know. Well, if, if someone came to your list or they were looking for, you know, say, for example, they were going to have a conversation about lists today and they were like, well, I'll go see what this guy thinks. And if the best film in 2010 that you saw was Kick-Ass, that, that says a lot about you and whether or not they're going to align themselves with you. If it's, right. if it's Black Swan... 
great, you know, but that makes That's you pretty much like people. that makes you pretty much like a whole lot of other people. Right. And the purpose of a list should be a true representation of how you feel. Like I'm unapologetic about my lists. If if I liked this better than Black Swan, then great if you didn't, but right. even better if you did. Like we shared that same moment, you know, with right. appreciation. But um well th- that's another thing about lists that kind of, you know, on a personal note throws me off and maybe not necessarily so much as a movie critic, but you know, some people's lists pretend that they are the best movies of the year. Right. As opposed to these <laughs> yeah. are the movies that I liked the most right. this year. Right. And so, you know, you have to know you have to know where the person yeah. that you're reading stands on that score exactly. too. Because yep. you know that there are a lot of people who come out with their movie lists yeah. who just are making lists going, I bet this is what is gonna win an award right. or well, even that, like when we have, not necessarily you and I, we haven't done it yet, but when there are Oscar pools, and it's not always, I don't vote to any allegiance of my list. I vote to win the pool. Like, well, right, because they're, exactly. they're all Right, I understand what you're saying, too. There's always a different way of looking at a list and why it was created. Did you need to fit in with the highbrow culture? You know, is it, right. is it possible that David Denby from the New York, you know, the New Yorker could like kick ass as much? Maybe. But it probably didn't beat Black Swan for his best yearly list. So, sure, right. Yeah. Okay, so before we go too far uh, on the list avenue, first we should say, because we forgot to do this, that uh, you know All right. the, the number yeah. is out there. A- anyone who wants to call in and chime in on our crazy theories of how to rate movies <laughs> right. or mm-hmm. lists or anything, you know, uh, call in. We have the chat open. You can just drop into the chat, and you don't have to get on the air. We'll just read your chat. Right. But this might not be the week that we have a lot of people trying Maybe. to jump into the chat. Who knows? You never know unless, you know, we'll piss some people off right. with our theories of right. – how movies should be rated. But before we go too far in the list, we should probably, I think, jump back for a little while on ratings, how we get ratings. Yeah. When we kind of kicked off this idea, the reason I wanted to do it was because we kept having discussions about how we got to that rating for specific movies. Right. And I sort of started to feel like without a background, something out there that we had gone over things, I guess, a little bit. You can't just pause in your movie review (laughs) and talk about this is how things get rated this way. So I thought if we just have this to kind of establish groundwork, and we already even talked about it in our our last review. We talked about, to a certain extent, how something could be five stars. Right. On my view, anyway, I don't know if we got to a whole lot of your five-star yeah. view. But I just wanted to uh, have this out there so we can just kind of flesh this out because everyone is different. And also, I should say, I am forcing the five-star rating on to Shane, and he is not I'll, I'll, necessarily originally right. a, a <clears throat> firm believer in the five-star rating. I'll take it, though. This is this is the way the... But at, at, as we talked idea. about before, I mean, you can translate anything into right. anything. So if we rate five stars and Metacritic rates at 100, I mean, right. we, you can still get that pretty close yeah. to knowing exactly where you are. Yeah. Um, the only good thing 
maybe about the hundred star <laughs> scale. Since yeah. we were talking about five star movies, and then how many can really be five star movies? You know, if you could have like that ninety nine, right? Or ninety eight. Right. Oh, it's maybe, so then, close. If it would just, be, yeah. and, if the title sequence was a little faster, I would have given right. it hundred. Four and right. a half stars is not quite so close. Right. But um, so I have actually talked uh, a bit in the last review about how I get to a five-star rating. And Do you have a recap for anyone that might have missed it? Well, exactly. That, that's, what, that's what I was leading into. <laughs> All right. I, I, there you go. I was going to try and just throw it out very concisely since I already right. talked about it. But for me, uh, I take several things into consideration in getting to actually, I think, how many possible – stars a movie can get. So when I look at a movie, I kind of first look at what is the movie trying to be? And I sort of jive that with how legitimate a thing I believe that is to be something that you're trying to have your movie be. Right. There are plenty of movies that I think what they're trying to be is so stupid (laughs) Yeah, that there is no such possibility as that being a five-star movie. And they're too numerous to mention, probably, but... Um, American Reunion, uh, from a recent review uh, that we've done? That would, not be that, like, that would not be one of the things that probably popped into my mind if yeah. I was talking about this generally. Oh, okay, but, right, I get it. But I think, I think probably yeah. so. I think the best that movie could ever be <laughs> is probably like four stars. Because it's just too tired and overdone and excuse for a paycheck kind of thing. But that's really not probably the the main movie I would pick out. I mean, really, you know, like Snakes on a Plane or uh, Soul Plane or lots of other movies about plays probably. Don't you get complicated, though, in in that rating that you have if the movie is basically just a cash grab? that it's just one more attempt to cash in on a franchise, then isn't that, if it's successful, isn't that in and in in of itself a five-star film? If it's really just, let's get everybody together and see if we can get another $100 million out of the American audience. I mean, no one will actually come out and say, and I'm not suggesting that that was what American Reunion was for, but if it was, you know... But let's say it was, and then if it... If that's what it's trying to do and it's really successful at it, would it be five stars? Yeah, and, because and in that I, regard, I would it does say, what it wants to do. I would say no, because <laughs> I would say that is not a legitimate thing to try to be. Okay, so because this, I think, as not like a, nitpick, a work of but, art, right? I well, mean, but, uh, I guess this is the thing that I had the most trouble with on your gauging uh, for me personally, which is to take a film and to suggest that you know you have a. Um, a premise for what it's attempting to be. You know, it's attempting to be a success. You know, a, a movie for the most part, unless it's a student film or some kind of, you know, documentary. Obviously, I'm just talking about your standard right. typical Hollywood fare. I, I think so it just wants to be successful so it can make a sequel, so it can have a toy line and a video game and a comic book, and, and it wants to be represented at Comic-Con with people dressed up. I mean, this is what most movies want to be, and I just think that if... If you factor that in, I guess, uh, because I don't factor it in, that's where I always kind of draw a different perspective I, than you. I think, I think anything to do with money would not count as what you're trying to be. And 
I think actually it's, it's kind of a cynical view to think that that's what they're trying to be. What they're trying to be is a thing that makes $100 million or something. I, I think very rare is the person making the movie going, the reason I'm writing this movie is because somebody's giving me money. Right. I mean, sure, they are, but... They obviously but then, all are, but they can't But then I'm it. just right. being a movie critic because somebody's giving me money, and that's well, not at all right. why I'm and being I'm not gonna, a movie I won't, I won't distract too much, but this is like, this is the sports argument, which is, you know, are all these professional athletes playing the game because they love it? Yeah, I'm sure they are, but would they play it if they made, you know, just a few... A few grand a year? No, they do it because they're in it for the money. They're always in it for the money. You know, this is well. They weren't always though. But they but, but then it, but then yes. you could just then you could just make that you know everyone who ever wrote a book, everyone who ever painted a painting, right, everyone who's ever right. been an artist. Exactly. The reason you're doing it is because you hope at some point you will get a lot of money, and I think that's. That's a bit cynical. First of all, very cynical. <laughs> and I think second, well, I understand second of all, I have, you have to rein that in. Right. right. <laughs> Fair mean, but I guess I just in in a you know it is show business. You know, and it is the 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 right. business of making money um, for your films. And but anyway, this was this was the nature of my initial. Just I don't see movies in that regard, which right. I think is interesting because you do. So. My, my viewpoint on that would not really have anything to do with money. I mean, as, as no. soon as you rule out money, now if you have a movie where you can't possibly rule out money, right? Right. If you look at everything this movie is trying to do, or trying to say, or what the story's about, or anything you can look at about the movie and go, no, really, it's just it's just about right. trying to make a little bit well, of money if they can. Yeah, Police Academy Six is about this sudden character development maybe. of Mahoney. Right. You know, which, right. let's let's see if we can get a, another bit of money from this group of people that love the films. So. Right. I mean, sure, the money's always there, but still, <clears throat> the movie is you know the movie's about something. Hopefully, it's. Yeah trying to say something you know it has things that it's trying to do and i try to look at what is this movie trying to do maybe a movie is you know a let's say like run-of-the-mill horror story okay and it's just trying to be a fun scary time right or maybe a movie is like you know transformers 2 and it's just trying to be a you know crazy fun movie to go to and right. blow up a bunch of Just a summer film, crap. like a fun summer movie. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I you know, a scale kind of forms in my mind yeah. on what is this movie trying to do and how legitimate a thing is that right to try and do. And everybody is everybody trying to put that together would come up with a different scale for different movies. Right. And go, you know, some people go Transformers 2. That is utterly <laughs> illegitimate thing to try to be, right? right? And I don't think that that's true. I, I think I think there's plenty of room for movies like Transformers 2. I like Transformers 1 at least a little bit better <laughs> because I didn't feel like it was – you know, there are big summer movies that are fun – and are kind of stupid, mm-hmm. and then there are big summer movies that are like calling you stupid for right. enjoying right. it and watching right. it, you know. And and that's a different thing. But anyway, the overall this is like taking forever, but <laughs> the overall point is just that I do kind of get like a star rating cap, I guess, on movies where I feel like 
sometimes what they are trying to do is just not a real thing to try to do in the first place. That doesn't mean that that happens with very many movies either. That's just what that is. I think think a lot of movies have the potential to be five-star movies. And I think it's funny because this is kind of spinning it around like that's not the view I have because of the way we're talking about it. It makes it seem like I am forever – you know, trying to notch possibilities off of movies. And I think I, my view is that a lot more movies have the potential to be five-star movies than probably most movie critics would think. Yeah. Because I could say, you know, if Transformers was really awesome, like we were talking about before, like Scott Pilgrim or Kick-Ass, which are both equally kind of crazy, goofy, summer... Incredible amount of fun. And action nonsense. Right. But I think both of those easily have the potential to be five stars. And, in fact, I think if I go back, I rated one of them five stars and one of them four and a half stars because I get to the rating basically by how well did the movie manage to be what it was trying to be. Right. And not, you know... Uh, I mean, it was a story like you know the uh, Oscar bait movies, right? Right. Those movies, there are plenty of critics out there that it's like you can only be a five star movie that I will love and vote for as best picture of the year if you're about something really dramatic. Yeah. Somebody has to be ill, dying, <laughs> or you know, sick, or some right. really big name person has to be directing. Has to be released after September fifteenth. Right. You know, there can be no serious contenders before then. Right. You know. Which, and, you know, last year when I made my list last year, since you just said that, I have to say the movie that I was the most disappointed in mm-hmm. the end of the year spin was Hannah. Yeah. Did you, did you see that one? No, I stayed right away from it. Oh, that was like an awesome movie. But it came out so early really? in the year that by the time you got to the end of the year, it's like, Nobody remembers that it existed right. at all. It's an incredibly rare film, and I honestly can only remember a couple that have stayed year-round. I mean, the, the easiest one is always to say Silence of the Lambs, right. which came out on Valentine's Day in 1991 and was still right. being talked about. It just it never, it never escaped anybody's mind. Right. Um, and that's an incredibly rare thing for a movie to be released early in the year. Usually that's a sign that the studio has no faith in it, or little little belief that it's going to do any well, not that their schedule is so jam-packed, because if they right. knew what they had on their hand, it would have been a July 4th opening, and they would have changed the whole way oh, yeah. the landscape was. But, yeah, it's it's tricky sometimes to keep a movie out, and sometimes it's really unfortunate if a studio or a crew put together an amazing film and they know they've got an early and, spring release, and, and what they, they get they told know, is they yeah. know it's gone. Like <laughs> right. they ju- there's a chance that a late season Oscar push or re-release can get it, but you know they just they know it's washed up for it. Right. So, so anyway, there's I'll have to check that out. There's that tangent. Um, right. Uh, it was actually you know it was so small that it wasn't yeah you know, no, gonna I be going to be a giant <laughs> thing anyway. But I thought you know it's not on anybody's even top ten list or anything. And I it, didn't see it. On I thought list. it was I thought it was really really yeah. good. Anyway, that's a uh, jump on that tangent for a while. But <laughs> so that's how I get my rating basically is I try to figure out where what this movie's trying to do and then there may sometimes be some deductions from your top possible score on that end, but then my score comes from how well did you do that? 
Yeah. And obviously that makes for a lot more possible five-star movies or, or right. big four-and-a-half-star ratings of movies that you wouldn't think, you know, that no one else normally is, is going to put a big rating on. Yeah. Because what I don't think rating a movie ought to be as a movie critic and you know this could be different maybe just as a person mm-hmm. just as anybody making their list or giving ratings i don't feel like what it should be is where is this movie in the entire you know Overall, world yeah, of right. movies right because then i think you're really limiting yeah the possible ratings that you can give a movie because yeah. If you're if you're gonna rate movies and you're gonna use a five star scale and you're gonna say okay five star movies like The Godfather and right. and you've got like in Citizen the Kane, if you've yeah. got in in like the last twenty five or thirty or more years you've got like five five star movies mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and now you go to another movie mm-hmm. no matter what it is the chances of that movie being a five star movie it's less than are, zero are like it's impossible. Right. It, it, that's the same thing. I've actually talked to people who said, you know, my favorite films were Singing in the Rain, uh, Gone with the Wind, Citizen Kane. And I, th- and I thought, and this is someone I'm speaking about um, who's our age. And I just said, well, what's a five-star film in the last 15 years? And he was like, I don't think there is one. And I thought, okay, I guess. What's the last five-star film that wasn't made before 1967? And he basically was like, I don't think there is one. You know, he's just, and this is kind of another way to segue into how I look at films, because obviously we're talking about things on a purely subjective nature. If my favorite film of all time was Police Academy, then that just means I look at films in a different way than than certainly you do. Um, It isn't. So thankfully, right. And, and, and like somewhere Gene, out there, and somewhere like Gene there, Cisco would say, at that point, you're wrong. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like your opinion is valid, but totally incorrect. You know. Right. Um, but somewhere out there, someone's favorite film of all time is Police Academy, or is The Nightmare Before Christmas, or right. Transformers. You know, exactly. Or Transformers too. Maybe right. they liked it better. But um, obviously, speaking about a subjective, you know, topic is how. Is, is, is a subjective topic, yeah, is how I actually come to review most of them. I look at them, um, you know, how, do, how does the story work? Does it, does it make, not, not necessarily make sense because obviously Transformers, just because we were talking about it, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But right. um, in and of itself, does it follow its own rules? Does it live among what it's trying to, I guess, trying to do? Um, but I think maybe before I get into that, I'll backpedal just for a second and say, when I used to review movies, I thought that the job of the movie reviewer or the critic was to simply give you a sense of whether or not you should go see this movie or skip it. Right. And if you should go see it, um, we happen to live in a pretty good place for movies, first-run-wise. We have a couple first-run theaters. At this at the time I was doing it, we had a couple second-run theaters. There were a few art house theaters nearby. Um, so you could certainly go to different places um, to get your movie fixed. I used to think whether or not telling somebody the review about a film instead of five stars um, or ten stars or whatever, um, it was, you know, go see it at a first-run location. Right. Uh, go see it at a matinee at a first-run location. Wait until it's at the, you know, the cheap seats, the, the discounted theaters. Or wait until it's on video. 
or skip it all together. And basically that's five points, you know, that's again, that's five stars. Everything can kind of be broken down into it, but I never had a thing where I was like three and a half stars. So kind of go to a matinee unless you can afford a cheap seat. You know, I never got that. Well, right. And then, and then if you start talking about movies that way, then that sort of takes out the whole, right. All other movies. Ness. Yeah. Anyway, right. I agree. So, well, I understand certainly, you know, some, some reviewers, and this is kind of like how Siskel and Ebert used to, and they are certainly the most popular of reviewers. Right. This is how they got real, you know, easy access to people's, you know, thoughts about these things, which was, it was thumbs up or thumbs down. There were no, I mean, eventually I think there were sideways thumbs, like I'm kind of neutral about it. There might be. But it was really go or don't go. Right. You know, and, and again, so many things to factor into a movie, not about uh, a recommendation. If I had a conversation with you after seeing a film that you hadn't seen, I would tell you to go see it for a totally different set of circumstances than someone I didn't know or didn't know very well outside of the movie theater who was just looking to kill two hours. Right. You know, and they would say, was that any good? And I don't even know you at all. And I'd just be like, maybe that in it in and of itself is the most pure review, which is to tell a perfect stranger you don't know, is it worth their time and money? Sometimes, you know, it all depends on what you're trying to convey with your review. Right. And as I've actually said before, (coughs) I I think, excuse me, I can't remember which show, but I got into this one time about the whole uh, Ebert thing. Mm -hmm. And what is the role of a movie critic, really? And really Ebert is greatly of the opinion that the role of the movie critic is to tell people what he thought of the movie. And that's it. Right. And as much as I respect him as a movie critic, I don't think he could be more wrong on that particular point. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that actually serves any function. And I think one thing about movie critics is to know whether or not it's a good movie and or to know whether or not you want to go see it maybe mm-hmm. built into the same thing. And also just, you know, sometimes if they're really good, they're just fun to read. Right. And you'll learn something about movies. Right. Sometimes, uh, you know, there's a movie critic where you can read the review before you go see the movie and then read it again after. Mm-hmm. And then it makes even more sense. Or whatever. But I think that the job of the movie critic is – to let you know whether or not you're going to like it. Right. Not whether or not the movie critic liked it. Right. I mean, it, at some point that's interesting, but yeah, maybe, maybe. But, it, but in general, the idea is, you know, I open the paper or open the, you know, go on the internet or whatever, and I'm looking for movie reviews of what's coming out this week. I want to know if I'm going to like it. Right. Not, yeah. not if Ebert right. had a great time. Right. That does nothing yeah. for me. Yeah. So I think that, you know, that kind of factors. That's like your your stranger on the street. Can yeah. can a stranger? You know, I could convince you to see a movie. Yeah. In, you know, five seconds or right. something. Probably. I I know what kind of movies we, you we like. Into, I, yeah, I know where exactly. you are on even just being a cinephile. Right. And a lot of other people that I might make recommendations to. You know, like. My pick of the year a couple of years ago was an education. Yeah. Did I recommend that to everyone in the world <laughs> to go not. see? No. Yeah, I right. mean, it's just you have to have a different kind of relationship with movies right. 
to really appreciate that. Now that doesn't mean that it's some completely crazy art house, no, you know, nutty thing. It's just kind of a different movie. Right. And to a certain extent, that's the same with Black Swan even. Yeah. And it's also, you know, my pick of the year this year was Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which yeah. when we're talking about five-star movies and how many were there and everything, I think that was clearly a five-star movie. Right. And I would have – that's even a movie that I would have a little bit of trouble with a movie critic who told me that wasn't a five-star movie. I would have to go uh, – right. <laughs> I would need a lot of well, information. That would, when, when that comes up, I'm always hyper-interested into this because I'm like, I'm way curious now to find out, find out why. Tell me why. Sell me on this notion that it's not as great a film as it really is. Because right. now I want to find out, you know, where you were dropped on your head, you know, and how badly it shook you. Because right. this is ridiculous. This is an amazing, you know. So and I think that's the thing. And since since we're totally just uh, kind of flying everywhere and bringing up Ebert a lot, which makes me think about it. Yeah. Um, you know, he uses a four star scale. Mm-hmm. And when we were talking before about. How many movies in a year really can be five stars before you start to lose touch with that movie critic? And I think Ebert, although he uses four stars, he will four star a lot of movies. Yeah. Um, And he he defends why he does it, though. So he has kind of a different spin on that than, than maybe you or I do. But if, if I have a five star movie, and I'm looking at another critic, and they say, it, you know, if they say it's four and a half, I'll go, well, all right. Okay. But somebody comes out and goes, okay, that was like two stars or right. something like that, then I'm going to need a lot of information, right? Right, yeah. And the same thing applies backwards, right? Like yeah. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which is my favorite movie to you blast the, Ebert with because right. I hated that movie. He loved it. Not only did I not like that movie, but there was nothing that happened in that movie that wasn't calling me stupid for still sitting there. Right. I mean, everything about that movie just rubbed me the wrong way. And he gives it four stars. Yeah. But he gives <clears throat> it four stars by saying it's stupid. His he, review says that it's really stupid. <laughs> Yeah. In like this great way that I love stupid movies. Right. And that, you know, it, there's even a part where he says like the plot is stupid and and says something about like all movie plots are stupid. This is that I'm like well but okay, wait a minute. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, this is not a gotcha moment, but here's something very interesting. One of the reasons why Ebert gives reviews like that, he's admitted this is he, part of his criteria for movies is what you, what I have a problem with your criteria. It is he is grading the movie on what it's trying to be. He feels the exactly same way that you do about this. I'm not going to recap you know the whole thing. We right. just spent 20 minutes doing it, but right. he he shares that 100. percent And he has said I saw Crystal Skull to be an attempt at this type of movie making, and it did it. Not the stupid moronic pandering thing, but just this throwback, this more less serious than Raiders of the Lost Ark, but more fun throwback to these type of serial films. And he thought it did it perfectly. And I, this is why I have a problem with using that as a heavy criteria um, to look at films critically. It's just right. in that regard, I understand why he thought, thought it was a four-star film. Right. I totally disagree mm-hmm. with him. I can't disagree with him any further, but I get 
that that's why. Well, and he it, and he also has you know there are lots of other movies. Um, I may put a link when I when I post this to my <laughs> right. my rant. Crystal Skull is a great example of it on, because there were on Ebert, but he also has a uh, four star view of Star Wars number one, right? Whatever whatever the hell you call it <laughs> yeah. at this point, um, right? And. All he says in his review is, look how pretty that is. Yeah, right. That drives me crazy. That's all the review says. I swear to God, go look it up. Yeah. It doesn't say anything about, you know, characters or plot or right. this, you know, anything. All it yeah. says is, man, does that look cool. Four stars. Those Gollum previews, you know, basically, which is, ooh, shiny, the precious. Right, right. Look at the precious. I must have it. You know, those drive me crazy, too, especially if right. you're an established reviewer or critic. You know, you should know better. Well, right, which that you are clearly not telling me anything that is, right. you know, counteracting my thinking that was really stupid movie. Right, right. If all you're going to say is, even if, you know, you can't even, I think, kind of stand behind having the view that you try to figure out what the movie's going to be. Right. And then go, I mean, what? It was trying to be really pretty and right. it succeeded? Right. What, I mean, what could that mean? And, yeah. you know, the Crystal Skull one, I understand what it was trying to do. Yeah. And, but, see, the different step there is that I reject what it was trying to do. I think what it was trying to do was be a movie that made a lot of money and called me stupid. And so I, it was a cash grab. I reject, like I just said. Oh, I reject that as a legitimate thing to be. <laughs> okay. All right. So, okay, we have common ground. We see, I see your side, and there's potentially you see mine. So I, I, I get that about at least Crystal Skull. We can agree that there's a little bit of both in there. But uh, okay, now what if we had to kind of start fresh? And how do you get your five stars? Well, I or any amount of stars or whatever. I don't necessarily sit down and watch a movie and hold it immediately accountable to the best film of that genre that I've ever seen. So if I'm watching an action film and it's you know, Aliens versus Predator. I don't immediately sit down and say, well, the greatest action film of all time has been Raiders of the Lost Ark. So let's let's start figuring out why this is no Raiders. But I'll tell you, I can tell you easily why Raiders works and why Aliens versus Predator, again, for that example, doesn't. You know, I won't do it in length now, but it's very right. easy to see. It's not what would make it's up your like, review. Well, it's almost like the perfect definition of what a subjective taste is like maybe maybe your average person can't say why they love something so much but they know when it's bad it's bad right and and for me when i sit down to watch a film again i don't necessarily hold it up to the best of every genre um you know when we watched cabin in the woods i wasn't holding it up to the exorcist or whatever my number one horror film of all time would be because I just think that's unfair. Again, in some ways, I can see why you say it's better to just give it a little bit of room to see what it's trying to do for itself. Um, the best films that I've ever seen all did pretty much the same thing. They engaged me the moment the movie started, or shortly thereafter, with plot and character. They they had great writing. They had excellent acting. Uh, it's funny you don't really pay attention to the dynamics, and I don't want to dissect everything and be like, oh, the score was great. You know, they they right. played the drums at the right moment, or the cinematography was, per, you know, it just, when you leave a five-star movie, you feel like you've had nothing like that before, um, right. or you feel like it is on par with very few things that you've had before. And that's why when someone um, says to some extent, 
you know, you'll see Metacritic is a great example. I love looking at the site, but you'll see um, the critics side, and then you'll see the the average patron side. And people are saying, oh, this is a 10-star film. I'll give this a 10. And I'm like, no, you really don't. You may have had a great time, but is it on par with the best film you've ever seen, you know, or whatever collection of films that is? Obviously not, you know, and and try to be consistent about the things, you know, if there's a benchmark here, then if it reaches that benchmark, it gets that grade. And so few films can reach that benchmark, whether it's for lack of trying or lack of execution, but it's something lacking. When it isn't lacking and it works and you feel it and you know it and you can't stop thinking about the movie or you can't wait to go see it again. Right. And again, not just the repetitive viewing of a film makes it a five-star film. See, I, lo- um, I lose out on that completely. See, I don't believe there, that. There are so few movies that I could watch again. Uh, I just, I'm just not a watch yeah, movies again guy. Unless I am. It's a specific, to some extent. A very specific thing, and not even necessarily because it's five stars to me. And right. those are the movies that I can stand to watch again. But yeah. I, I, just, I just don't know what it is. But, I mean, unless it's something like, you know, Stripes or... Right. Uh, I mean, so, you know, some... Movie. Some movie that I feel like I get something out of watching again, especially anything like dramatic, pretty much. I, I feel like once a drama played, is over, right. then what I'm am I, what am I going to do with it again? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I know that story. I can, I can go see a comedy or a horror film you know, uh, another time. And usually it's with a group of people who haven't seen it yet, and you want that experience again. That, that kind of tran- transcends the review process and more about right. just the movie process, which is sometimes a way to look at a film like again cabin in the woods i think is a great time if you go with a bunch of friends right not so much of an amazing time if you just go by yourself sure. you know but i i guess it's it's just the perfect example of a subjective taste which is when i see a five-star film i i know it i know it's amazing on all of its all of its pistons are firing it's it's really working there aren't any flaws in it. The characters don't break character for the sake of advancing some weird action or introducing some tie-in right. you know, that you're going to be able to pick up with your kids after the movie theater at the fast food place. You know, it, it, it just it doesn't have to take itself super seriously. You know, I have five-star comedies you know, that, that I've seen. Um, dramas, certainly, usually most critics love pointing out their five-star dramas. You know, they're like, oh, Dead Man Walking is the most amazing film because it takes a look at, mon-. you know, okay, great. You liked it. Is it any better than something else that came out that year? Maybe. Right. But um, I guess I come to it in a way, I guess I come to it in a way that's a little bit more subjective unto itself. Right. But so it's not like a specific it, there's no kind of a rule or something. No like specific it's checklist. Just, it's really just yeah, how you know, how many flaws pop into your mind. Well, if watching I'm watching a movie, if I'm watching a movie and a character does something that is totally foolish or they don't think of something um, to do, I was just talking about this. This is why it's on my on my mind. I was just talking about the ruins, a movie that came out a few years ago, and it, I get distracted by things not in the movie theater. Um, per se, but if a character doesn't act like they've established themselves to be, or if they just don't think right because it's going to make the action scene later more believable. Right. Like, these are things that are distractions. Like, if you're if you're telling a story and it works and you have a great storyteller and the actors are doing their part, then it should be seamless. You shouldn't ever look at your watch or wonder right. about what time it is. You should be so into the moment of that movie 
Um, oh, and it's that feeling that I or think. Or like with a, a character like you're talking about, if uh, you know, if a character does something and all of a sudden you go, why in the hell did why? that character do right. that? Even and and there's also you know there's a there's a difference there, which is the character you've given me so far. Why would that character do this? That right. makes no sense. And then there's also just like. A lot of movies. Why would anyone do Why that? Would I don't, I don't care what right. character it right. is. Well, this is the horror movie thing, too. It's like, oh, there's a lot of creepy stuff going on. I guess I'll go out. I guess I'll check that out. Yeah, I'll go down to the dock and by myself and see if that fish hook is still, you know. I right. mean, you do that because you need to kill somebody, you right. know. And that's why the, these movies don't make that higher echelon of, of film review for me. But um, – there isn't a genre out there that I don't believe can produce a five-star film. There are five-star horror films. There are five-star right. comedies. There are certainly dramas. There are five-star science fiction and fantasy films. And sometimes an amazingly well-reviewed or loved film like Star Wars, for example, um, not the greatest writing at all, but the actors, they pull it off. Right. You know, And it's a famous thing that Harrison Ford has said to George Lucas, you can write this stuff, but you can't say it. Right. You know, and it's just, well, he did say it, and he made some of the best moments, you know, in that movie. So there are moments where one can pick up the slack of the other. But when you're in the moment and you're watching it and you just, maybe maybe you're tense in your seat and for a moment you relax and you realize, like, you just settled into your chair. You've been on edge for 20 minutes. Right. You know, maybe that's a sign you're enjoying the movie, not you've got to go to the bathroom because the movie's so right. bad, something. Right, and I think when you look at, my view of, I guess, getting to five stars, and not that we should overly focus on uh, how do you get to be perfect movie when we're talking about right. how we review stuff. But I think, uh, I think my rating comes in with how do you, how does the movie get all the way to those stars, and not, not this is my my theory is what are you trying to do and how well do you do it? But the how well do you do, how do you explain the how well do you do it and for me, I kind of it, it's probably kind of a similar thing actually. I sort of feel like I have a balance of how many flaws really jumped out at me right. while I was watching it that broke that thought and of- and then you know how many things that really impressed me yeah balance against those and there are a lot you know everybody has probably a list of a million things that are positive things about movies and and people have you know these are the really interesting ones and these are the ones that i really care about and you know if that actor did not do the best acting job that i ever saw it doesn't really matter right and you know this plot ended up really flat even though the theory of that plot seems like a good movie Mm -hmm. but it did not come together and there's all these things that run through your mind and you know for me there are i guess a few there's like a short list of impressive things about movies like if somebody is giving a performance that just blows you away all Mm -hmm. by itself a lot of the little flaws of the rest of the you movie the rest of kind of fall yeah. away. Right. And especially when you really watch a lot of movies. Yeah. When somebody acts and is doing a brilliant job at it, 
in something that you know is really hard to do. Yeah. Then it's even like a whole other thing. And for me, that was a large part of uh, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy was Gary Oldman was awesome in it at something that is really hard to pull off yeah. the way that he pulled off. And then also the ability to create a mood by having nothing happen right. in that movie. <clears throat> when you had a room full of people, a room full of like old men even, yeah, who are just kind of sitting there talking almost, it didn't matter what they were saying. Right. And you felt really nervous. Yeah. <laughs> for no reason that you could put your finger on. Right. You had no idea why you were nervous. And just the ability of that movie, I mean, the direction of that movie that came together to to create mood. And um, when you had the one scene where uh, the guy ends up getting shot in the little cafe, and you're glancing around at all the people in the different windows, and which one of these is a real person, and which one of these yeah. is about to yeah. blow him away – just those two things alone, and there are plenty of other positive things for me about that movie, but those two things alone put that movie instantly like so high. Right. And I think that's how kind of every movie happens. There will be something that you know stands out as the main parts of your experience. Right. And then later, if you go back and go, well, I'm taking off lots of points for this and lots of points for that and whatever else there might be going on like that. But I think that's how, I think that's actually how everybody rates a movie and a lot of them just don't admit to it. Right. You know, I mean, I think a lot of people get so seriously into being a movie critic right. that they go, okay, now here's another movie. So I have to say cinematography, right? What, what do most people, and, yeah. and I have to talk about, you know, what, what the director did in this scene, and right. I have to mention every actor's name, and yeah, and so you know, mm-hmm. if um, if you have like an ensemble piece, and there are maybe like ten kind of main people, you know, that ninth guy didn't do that great a job. Now it's only four stars right. or something yeah. like that. And and I feel I think sort of like you, even though I have kind of this different overarching thing. It, it's really just kind of what experience. Yeah, you get out of it that you know what hits you right right away. Right, and especially for me, some movies, and this is like my own personal craziness, I guess. But there are a, a lot of movies for me. I feel like the thing that is the movie, in in some very philosophical and weird way, is the thing that happens in your mind right when the movie ends. That's I've like heard, what yeah. the, that's like what the movie I've is. Heard this, yeah. I mean, and obviously, a lot of movies that would make no sense because, <laughs> right? <laughs> but the, for, the, the happily ever after, and but, now the moment after it. So right, but for a lot of movies, there's you know, okay, let's look at the acting, let's look at the directing, and you know, look at what the movie made me think about when it mm-hmm. ended, and what happened in my thinking about the movie after it was over. Right. And I mean, some movies after it's over, if you can still think about it, you're <laughs> yeah. lucky. But right. So okay. Well, I think okay, and just maybe maybe this helps shift gears a little too. It's very easy to point everything towards a five star film because when you're when you're talking about something that is to be thought of um, in a ranked way, you know what's the best, what's what's the upper, you know, ranking of those things, and 
And I think we've covered that, you know, certainly. And I know that it's probably a lot easier to identify um, a one-star film or a no-star movie and a five-star film, you know, to some extent, than it is to just guess where the middle of the road is going to be. I think, I think the interesting reviews sometimes aren't if if Ebert again, just because we're using him now, I'm just going to keep using him. Right. Um, if Ebert says a film is a five-star film, I can probably figure out why based on if Steven Spielberg wrote it. Uh, wrote it and directed it, right. and it's released in November. I'm like, okay, I get it. I know why uh, this is sure. pulling, pulling at your heartstrings. Or if he says that, you know, Cabin in the River, you know, the fourth um, sequel to this <laughs> is a one-star movie, I get it. I already know why. Right. To me, some of the interesting work happens when things fall in the middle, you know, because the middle is where – Obviously, if a five-star film is really hard to get and a one-star film is probably really hard to do unless you're really not in control of your movie, the stuff that falls in the middle is the biggest sprinkling of hit or miss. Right. And that's sometimes where, where when, again, I thought earlier on, the easiest way to decide to tell somebody to see this film is to, you know, rent it or go see it in the theater, but only go see it on the cheapest day. Right. You know, because there's a little bit of leeway there, but basically what I'm saying is, You'll probably have a good time. It's worth it. It's not going to blow your mind, but it's not going to, you know, you're not going to leave the theater storming and demanding your money back either. So, right. There is, there are other grades other than five stars. That's that's right. what my point that's, is. That's that's also <clears throat> probably where a lot of the more interesting writing is demanded. Even. Yeah, I agree. Because if you really love a movie. And you can probably give a good story about why you love it and, yep. and what the positives are that you think other people will like it. But if you have a three-star movie and you still have to, at some point, sort of convince people either to go to it or not go to it <laughs> right. or or give them some understanding of what their reaction will be to it, and it's only three stars, yeah. then you sort of have work. Right. And – with you know the big movies, the the best thing I think is probably like a three star movie that no one ever heard of. Yeah, coming out right? right. Then then you have to do something, especially if if you think it it's three stars, but it's worth checking out, and right. it's probably better than most of the stuff in theaters right now. Right. And so maybe you should pick this over that. Yeah. When it's like you know the worst thing ever is like the Twilight movies or like Harry Potter because. You know, nothing could be a more meaningless review. No matter what you give it, everybody knows where they are right. before they read your review. Right. You know, the trick is if you have, like, maybe a three-star movie and you're saying, it's worth checking out. It's three yeah. stars, but here are some things that are good about it, and, you know, maybe you'll think it's right. better than three right. stars, and I have to try and explain right. to you the reasons why you may or may not think yeah. that. And I have to get you to somehow, you know, realize there are other movies besides Avengers that are right. <laughs> on the horizon. Yeah, in, in the yeah. exist in the world. It's funny when I think of a three-star film. What is your generic three-star movie? It's almost always probably a sequel, or it's a romantic comedy. You know, like, mine, I mean, mine is that Mrs. Doubtfire. Star. Really? I feel like that is the absolute average film. Yeah. That, it yeah. just for whatever reason in talking about movies all the time. And you know, yeah. 
Chris Columbus, by the way, right. is is my go-to guy for uh, if you have an average idea and you want to get an average he's movie. He's the guy to stamp it. He he's the guy to yeah. give it to because he won't come up with anything that is going to surpass the material and give you better than three stars. But at the same time, he's probably not going to let you down. It right? Yeah, he's and, a safe and, guy and make it into something horrible. And I, I don't know why, but just over the years when I've talked about this, you know, Ms. Doubtfire has just always stuck out. It's, as like, it's exactly average of yeah. a film. It's it's right in the middle of the road. It won't yeah. it it won't piss you off. Right. Very few people, I think, watch it and go, oh, great, you know, right. I'm totally wasted my yeah, time. Right. But right. I. I hope there aren't a lot of people who are calling it the best movie they've ever seen either. But it's. I hope they don't call. I hope they come and find your house and they dress up in their Delphire <laughs> guard and they're on your yard and picketing you. But uh, sure. Okay. Anyway. So now uh, uh, we've gone quite a long time on uh, reviewing films, and right. you know, oddly enough, I felt like you were you were more like polarized when we were just talking about this in general than when we actually got here to the show. Really? Maybe I felt like I'd said it all before. Uh, <laughs> we already the real show already <laughs> happened. No. But it just because of the, well, like the things that I said about five-star movies, about how many there are, about making lists and it just seemed like where was my we polarization? Had, we had widely different views on how movies should be rated. And then well, now it doesn't seem like you're quite so, I guess, antagonistic against well, your views. Maybe this is what rainy days do to me. I become a little bit more somber. But I think if you if you dissect something enough, you're going to find more common ground you know, than less, especially in this kind of thing. Right. Obviously, we're both going to look for great acting. Right. It, it, it could just I'd love to see a five-star film that had horrible acting, a bad soundtrack, and you know what I mean? There right. are There is a movie out there, the worst movie ever made, literally, that's the name <laughs> of it. But, um, you know, in many respects, coming to the same conclusion through different means is not a surprise to me. Maybe it was just the list. Maybe it was just my maybe, tone. Maybe it's, it could be just your tone. Um, but maybe it was just because you're so list fanatical and I, and love, I don't like that. Right. You said, what? How is that possible? Well, we you're did allowed to not like We had that. a very fun conversation about that. <laughs> and I still don't understand how you can, you know, it's it's like saying you're a great chef, but you just don't like eating. You know, it just doesn't make any sense to me because it seems one is so perfectly tied to the other. If you love movies and you review them, I think you must list them and that you don't like to do it. Well, it's not even that you don't uh, I, like to do it. You don't like to do it in order. Like that's the right. you want to go like you want to do these steps, but you just don't want to do the very last step, the most necessary, which is putting the numbers in front of them. And, that's right. And because that's the part that's just a little fun to me. So. Be, uh, I'll, actually, I'll give you an example because uh, I apparently wrote down a lot of 2009 movies, and right. now I, I don't even know <clears throat> I don't even know what kind of order this is in because I just wrote them down. Right. Off of my list, perfectly but as not, you would normally do, but did no not order. write down the right. the numbers, right? Except right. the one thing that I I did write down is that uh, in this list of movies, The Messenger is not on my list of the ten best movies. Okay, and I really feel like I, I think actually at the time I I probably gave that like four and a half, and I yeah. think I think I'm in that same boat as Scott Pilgrim. Because I, I could easily be persuaded to move that to five, probably. <laughs> I really liked that movie. Yeah. But it's so 
niche, right. I think, in a person's ability to enjoy it. Right. Um, and and then sunshine cleaning, yep. which I also think is is kind of niche yeah. in your ability to really get something out of it, is on the list. Right. And Adventureland, which I really like, is not on the list. The other movies that I have written down here, okay, I know An Education was first. Yeah. But then I have A Single Man, In the Loop, Inglorious Bastards, yeah. Moon, which Moon I thought was awesome. Moon's, but that also – terrific niche film. Even beyond science fiction, that is such a niche film yeah. of, you know, like kind of like Memento. I mean, you have right. to be the right person to – right. To you have to movie. know you have to know a film fan to know about Moon. Right. Moon is not one of these films that you just you stumble on. You look at it and Sam Rockwell alone on that cover right. doesn't sell the movie at all. Right. Unless you know? somebody somebody just, has to say you will love Moon. It unless is somebody awesome. just ha- happens to be like a right. huge Sam Rockwell fan right. and then you know stumbles onto that at yeah. the video store There's or no whatever. Way. I mean, average, not that yeah. Not that that actually happens anymore, but <laughs> yeah. Remember when you could stumble onto things at the video store? Anyway, Amazon list. Um, the Young Victoria, Up, The Hurt Locker, mm-hmm. and then I also I already mentioned Sunshine Cleaning and Adventureland, and then I also have a film that did make it on the list, which is like the tiniest little movie ever, but I gave it five stars and thought it was awesome, called Untitled, and it's Untitled in parentheses and stars Adam Goldberg and. Oh, I, I okay. loved yep. I never that saw movie. It. I've heard a few people that like this film. I loved that movie so much. Oh, like, that's fun. Every, that out. every <laughs> second of that movie, I loved that movie. Yeah. And I, I actually am kind of an Adam Goldberg fan. Yeah. Um, just because he pulls off, like, a detached acting experience. Like, he... Yeah. He, most of the characters I've ever seen him play... One of the major parts of his character is a certain kind of just like detached from the rest of everything right. around him. Yeah. And that is a tricky thing to pull off yeah. without just looking stupid. And he does it so well. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he really it's does. It's a testament he, to his ability to detach it, without looking stupid. It, no, I know what you mean. I'm, I'm, Either that or he's not acting at all, and that's just how he maybe is. That's and, maybe that's just how he is. Maybe he shows up and nothing, he's done. That yeah, would be great he, to find out. And he rolls his eyes at exactly the right time, whatever. But now, those movies put together, see, I don't mind putting those movies together and right. saying, you know, for I mean, this is actually 2008, right? Because it's the 2000, right. or or is it 2009? I don't, I, I, I don't remember. Anyway, I don't have any problem putting those movies together and going. Those are all great movies. Those are the best of my year. Go watch right. all those right. all those movies. And this is what drives me crazy. You've basically sub you've basically taken a subject of films and separated them from all the other movies you saw. So you're able to see that there's something these have that the others don't. Right. But you are unwilling. It's not that you're unable. You're unwilling to just put the microscope down a little further and say, well, Up is better than Untitled. And I can right. tell no. you why. But you know. see, I don't feel like I could tell you why. I, I, could, I, could put, I could put this in, say, something like, you know, I, I guess I liked Untitled a little better than The Young Victoria or something. Perfect. That's Even how it though – even though they're great movies, but but the thing is that I don't believe in it. I mean, if, if I have to ask, <laughs> if I have to ask the question, which is a better movie, In the Loop or A Single Man? Yep. 
I think that's like a nonsense question. I, I, I think I get this. I understand it. Apples and oranges. No, it's like it. I think they are different enough things that at some point you can try to go which is number three and which is number four, and you're just not really making any sense anymore. You're just sort of randomly putting them in order, really, even if you have. I will. I will. I understand that. I, I do. I understand how it's very, very hyper subjective to be like, "This is the song of the year." You know, is it better? How can that be better than any other song you've heard? You know, that was released, or this is the movie of the year. You know, right. I understand. See, uh, now usually the first one is not so hard a thing. You mean ranking number ten or number one? Number one. Okay. I, I can usually come to grips with the idea the that middle. I go. This is the best right. movie that I saw right. this year, and and I even think it is the best movie of the year, right. or you know whatever. But when you're at like Six. seven, eight, it's the middle. This is what I was seven saying about versus the three, right. right? And then there's always you know <clears throat> that last movie that gets to be in the top ten, mm-hmm. and like those three behind it or right. something. Like really, those three. And you know, if all movies were dramas, maybe it would be an easier <laughs> thing to do, right? If all movies were comedies, maybe it would. I often sit down with the list because making lists is fun for me, <laughs> instead of right the pain that it is for you. <laughs> But I often sit down and I'll weed out, you know, and I'll look at the best things that I'm trying to make the list of. And in this instance, we're talking about movies, movies, come up with maybe the top 15 or top 20 and then whittle it down. Because, again, I know like this is probably going to be the best film. And if this wasn't on the list and not that I play these games, but if this wasn't on the list or I didn't see it this year, then this I know would have been it. So there's my right, right. Right. And I can whittle down from 20 to 15 very easily, thinking I had a lot of fun with this, but it's not as good as any of these six, so I know. And then it's just a process of scratching them off or moving them, or if you're doing it on the computer, hitting enter a couple times right. and pushing them down. And then pretty easily what you get is you know, the top and the bottom. Again, the middle is the hard part. Yeah. You know, what really was five better than seven? Well, and, and for me, it's... It's about, did I think about the film a lot? Did I enjoy it as much as I thought? If I probably saw it during the summer or several months ago, when I'm doing my list at the end of the year, I have hindsight being perfect vision. <clears throat> right. You know, it's a lot harder. Um, as, a, as a fun side note, it's a real interesting thing to see an amazingly good movie at the end of the year and try to put it on your list, not because there's been a plethora of things ahead of it that have been just as good, but do I really feel... a as good about this movie now as right. I will three months from now. Right. You know, and I, again, we take our lists semi-seriously, if not seriously. And right. I don't want to often put a film that I've seen on Christmas Day on my list, even if it was amazing. I it's only happened a couple times. And, but, and you know, here's an interesting thing about that, too, because I did a uh, best movies of the decade yep. list for the aughts, right? Yep. And there's obviously quite a bit of introduction to that, too, and a lot of it was not in order, right, except for, like, the top 15. Right. Because there were a lot of movies, and I wanted to include a lot of movies. I didn't want to have the best 10 movies of the decade because, uh-huh. you know, you can't find that list. I mean, right. you know what I mean? So uh, it's a it's a big list, and most of it's not in order, yeah. right? And it's, and it's the best. But then it does have, like, the top 15. Right. But the interesting thing, like you were talking about Christmas, right, is movies that came out in 2009 uh-huh. could not be on the list. 
Right. They were near because the end. Because for me, close, that right. was too close to say, right. and <laughs> I call this a best movie of the decade. Right. Seeing a film two weeks ago certainly beats a film <sighs> seven years ago. How? Like, right. you don't have the distance to really make that call. Right. Which, it, which is yeah. another thing we were saying, too, because my personal feeling is I, when we were trying to do this, I went back through several, <laughs> several years of best of the year. Yeah. And I got a very positive experience out of doing that because my feeling is that if if I go back now to like the best ten of two thousand three, yeah, I feel like I should want to change that list now. I should want it to be in a different order. I should want maybe. some movies maybe to be on it now that weren't on it before. But is that because your tastes have changed or you feel that your view of the movies that were there has changed? Because maybe maybe a year like, you know, 2008, for example, you know, whatever my favorite film of the year that was, I don't necessarily think that even though it's been a few years and that I've hopefully grown, hopefully I'm well, exactly. Still that's in that process. Maybe that was the best film anyway. Well, not necessarily that like the number one movie should be different, but the top ten movies, I feel like that should change. Hmm. And I think just shuffle be, around or be totally different films. No, just shuffled, shuffled around. Okay. I think just maybe there should be a different order. Okay. All maybe right. the thing that was twelve and so it got left on the list. Maybe now yeah. I should go. Oh, I really want that to be on the list now. You know, yep. I just. I can you know, that. hopefully I have grown. No matter yeah. how long I do this, I will right. I will continue to grow in my ability to appreciate those movies, and I yeah. can look back at them now, right, and say, yeah, you know, at the time I thought that movie was awesome, well, and now change, I just know? don't love that yeah. movie. Anymore. Tastes change, and you can get burnt out on something. Um, you know, I don't know that if if The Dark Knight was your favorite movie in two thousand eight, just for example. You know, with all the superhero films that come out, you know, will you eventually get burnt out and look at superhero films, you know, adaptations as being less than something else? Right. You might, you know, or you might be able to just look back and see that the reason it was the best film you saw that year is because it was a perfectly interesting, you know, echo of the political climate that was going on. Right. And it was more than just this adaptation of a con. You know what I mean? Like. There are things about the lists that when I look back and I see the hierarchy, I remember where I was. And like exactly, you, and right. sometimes maybe those things would shift. Like like we were talking about before we actually got on air, there are things sometimes where I'm like, God, I can't believe that was eight. That I I love that film now. I would have totally put that at two or three. Um, it, it happens. But I don't know that I would rejigger and not because I'm strict about it, but I don't know that I would throw into chaos, you know, the whole list. Right. But I understand the, the notion that maybe, you know, several years ago, what I thought in 2003 was 1 through 10 very easily, now would be a little bit muddier. I'd be like, wow, maybe that's really not the position they'd be in. Right. Okay. Now, um, we are getting to the point where, even though I made this hour and a half and sort of wow. didn't necessarily want to go for an hour and a half, but I thought <laughs> I better are. make it for an hour and a half. And so now we are getting kind of close to where uh, if we're going to talk about upcoming movies, we, we, should do it. we should probably do it pretty soon because I definitely don't really feel like we need to go over no. because then I think we, we, then we right. should just have another show. We've certainly talked about how we look at films and how we get to our points of grading them and feeling about right. how we're supposed to justify that. And I think that's been right. clear. So, so now the question at this point is you had some movies. Did you have anything about your position or you had like some specific movies no, you I just, to talk about? No, I jotted down a few things because we were talking about um, – 
you know, how easy it is to just think of grading films and how easy the focus is to put it on five-star films and what really, how many five-star films we had discussed are there in a year maybe, you know, and I had said there might be a small handful and you thought there might be two small handfuls. Right. And again, we're basically saying the same thing, you know, Uh, that there could be anywhere between three and seven five-star films a year, depending on your taste. And, and, you know, especially I, I can't, I guess, stress this enough, um, because you know the average person just tunes in yeah to us talking about movies and we say how many five star films are there and i feel like there's probably in any given year there's probably between like 2 and like 6 or 7 see i think any given year maybe maybe something like that 2 or 3 i think i'm much more conservative because i don't think there are that many perfect films being made right no okay so that is its own Right. One thing to start with. But the other thing to start with is, you know, for just someone tuning in, I see a lot of movies in a year. Yeah. So if somebody, even, you know, people who are fairly well versed in what's going on in movies, you know, you figure, I mean, what comes out like two or three movies a week at best. All the time. Okay. But no, there's really like 15 or 20 movies that come out every single week and I have to see a lot of them. So I, I may get, and and not only that, but like a movie like untitled, you know, that Mm -hmm. no one's ever heard of, or even like um, another movie that I picked off of a different list, dog tooth, which nobody else in the universe wants to see, except that it's, Awesome. Right. <laughs> well, wait, and I know we're wrapping this part up, but I'll interject this real quick because you're making this point. You see, you do see more movies than I do currently now. Um, but I also think I wonder a point might be made if that doesn't help produce more five-star films for you. Because if a lot of what you see is mediocrity, when you see something that rises above it, it may become easier to to languish on it and say – Thankfully, finally, out of all these things that I've been feeling like I have to see or I'm committed to seeing or I do see, right. this is like the shining beacon in 60 films that weren't great at all. Right. And you're like, wow, not you specifically, but a sure. person who does have to see tons of movies. Years years where I see over 100 films and a lot of them are just mediocre, you know, mediocre things, when something rises above it, I'm like, oh, thank God, this is awesome. Right. And then later you see, well, maybe... And, you know, there's another point... So there's a pitfall to this. That's the point. There's another point to that, probably, because if you have the difference between a five-star movie and a a four-and-a-half-star movie, that can can be, in a way, a big difference. In a way, it's not a difference that I care about, really. Right, me either. If I I don't care about half... If I rate something four-and-a-half stars, and then, you know, a couple years later, someone says, what are all the five-star movies? Right. And I'm like, well, I mean, I didn't rate that four-and-a-half stars. Like, a good example is Scott Pilgrim, because apparently I rated that four-and-a-half stars. (laughs) Do I really care about whether or not that's four-and-a-half or five? I don't really. And if we're talking about how many five-star movies there are in a year... Yeah. You know, I I may be even leaning more towards like how many four and a half or five star movies are there. Right, and again, if something is five. Right. It's close enough for you. Right. For me, it's you know, I don't know that I would ever put Scott Pilgrim as a five star film, but it would be, it would be four at least. You know, and for me, right. there's a line, and I understand it. You know, to me, for me to be able to say Scott Pilgrim is on par with say any of the five star films in my head and heart, I can't say it. Because it, it isn't just there, but man, it was close. 
Right. So and I the, understand the difference. I'm much more loose with being, as a being doorman, able to as say a that. As a doorman at a, at a club, you would let a lot of people in through the door, and I would be very specific who I let pass the rope. So That's true. I guess. But, but anyway. You could be close enough. So, but were there any like specific titles no, you wanted to no. mention for any reason? If, okay. we had, if we had more time to talk, it would be interesting to say um, a little bit about the Hurt Locker, because I know you mentioned it. The Hurt Locker was one of these things that year that everyone was crazy about, and I won an Oscar pool claiming that it would win for Catherine Bigelow and for everybody associated with it. I understood why the ripples it was causing um, were going to yield it its Oscar glory. I thought so less of that movie. Everyone had it as a five-star or four-star film, and I was like, this is a two-star movie at best, at best. And I wrote a review of it, and I pointed out exactly why I felt that it wasn't what people thought it was and why I felt it was less than it, it really was getting and I stood by it. I, I've still stood by it. It's just right. one of these things that everybody loved but me, and I felt totally validated in saying why I didn't. Yeah. And but we don't have the time for that. It would be right. fun to – actually, be fun to end early once, but I don't know if we're <laughs> going to do it this time. But No, we, we uh, might as well we've run. We've talked the review part down. I right. Think, so. We might as well run through this. Actually, at some point, if we have another uh, – if we have another kind of not movie right, like a week show. at some point, yeah. yeah, it would be interesting because everybody has those movies. Like for for me this year, it was yeah. War Horse. I thought right. War Horse was oh, really so mediocre, yeah. and and not that it wasn't a good time, but it's brilliant because Spielberg did it. But everyone uh, was like a five star. Okay, yeah. so anyway, here we go. Without further ado, since we have like ten minutes left. We are just going to, I think, jump through what's coming out in the upcoming weeks, what we're looking forward to, and what we're going to actually see and then do our show about, right? Cool. So yeah. next week is The Raven, and yes. and I just have to see The Raven. Yes. I mean, it's not like there is Safe is coming out next year, and oh, man. I'm, I'm partially interested in seeing I'm curious. That. I want to see it. I'm, well, I'm not curious. I'm going to see it. But I don't. And, and also the five-year engagement comes out, too. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious about that one, especially because I'm kind of a big Emily Blunt fan. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's it's pretty clear. I really want to see The Raven. Yeah, me too. I'm so, a huge Cusack fan, and this is going to be a lot of fun. So I think that's clearly <laughs> what's going down that. Then – I don't even know why you wrote anything on the fourth. Just because I could say what else is coming out. Oh, okay. Not, not because it actually like what we're going to consider. Yeah, we're we're, we're going to see the Avengers. Right. You know I mean? we're, we're looking ahead. <laughs> we're looking ahead at the next point on the paper. <laughs> like I I'm, see all these other I'm things. I'm already like, getting why? called out right. for <laughs> writing down other movie titles. Right. So on uh, the fourth of May, the Avengers comes out, which is obviously what we will be doing because how could you not? Right. But I just wanted it to be out there that also coming out were A Little Bit of Heaven and Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, which I think is perfect release yeah. schedule because yeah, the people who have no interest in the Avengers they whatsoever, will go to, they have some right. good other choices. Well, I, I didn't know you were plugging as well. I thought this was just our, our horizon, but no, by all means, plug away. No, yeah, it's just what happens to be coming out. And right. actually, there, there might be some times like on the 11th of May. Yep. Dark Shadows is coming out, and yep. that's what we'll be seeing. And there yep. might be something else minor that right. that week. I don't remember. That Wednesday, it's on a Wednesday, the 16th, The Dictator comes out, and I'm not sure why. And I'm not sure I want to see it either because the, the oh, really? Movies, those those uh, movies, it's gonna be it's gonna be entertaining. The, this is the show this is that the, would scare me. This is the benchmark. This is when not just because it's the the 16th, but this is the middle of May when films in the summer start getting the early week release. 
to get the longer box office receipts. Right. So we're gonna we're either gonna be a couple days later. We're gonna go see films earlier in the week. I don't I don't know. We haven't really talked about it yet, but I don't know either. You, I guarantee there'll be plenty of films being released in the middle of the week. There aren't that many. Really? There are, years past, they've been dropping films on Wednesdays there, all the time. There are a couple, and actually there are a couple wow, movies. Surprising, man. There are a couple movies that I heard might change their date, and you know, not that we're even going to get like through all these dates. But God, like Spider-Man. Like, the you have like 60 sheets here. The Amazing Spider-Man comes out in the middle of the right. week. And then, well, uh, that, that comes out before you know the 4th of July. That's going to get the long box office weekend. So. Right. Okay, so we're going to do Dark Shadows. Yep. And then... Now, the next week throws me a little bit, yeah. okay? Because when you get to May 18th, <laughs> then we have Battleship, which right. I have no interest in seeing. Yeah. And I can tell you right now is going to be a pretty bad review, even though you're not – You're reviewing that, before right? – That's reviewing, right. I, I give you my star rating right now right. is going to be between – You've written down stars on this. None I see it. Zero. Zero. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Between none and like two is probably right. what that's going to be. Anyway. Then Hysteria comes out on the 18th, which mm-hmm. I'm kind of interested in seeing, but yeah. it's so small and it, and strange, it may not, even, have to do it may not even open right. here. Right. But it's the movie about the invention of the vibrator. I know. How, how can you not be interested to see that? We will be separated by a seat. And then there is What to Expect When You're Expecting, right. which is the... Going to open wide with Battleship. Goof, and, goofy comedy, and yeah. it's going to be the action versus comedy. And right. and w- which do we see? Maybe that's another vote thing, or that, that we, might, don't, we don't let people, now that you've voiced your displeasure for Battleship, you know they're going to put us right in... They might. I mean, you know, yeah. Maybe not. Maybe you got. I have to review everything. So. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, I. Well, you've already reviewed Battleship. I have so. to, that's right. I'm sticking by it. Right. Point. That's great. All right. Then on. Uh, so uh, I don't know. One of those, I guess, for right now. It, maybe it, it, that it will probably be, be one of those. Maybe we'll catch up with something. Maybe, maybe we'll, we'll catch see, up with maybe the dictator. We'll catch up with the there could be something we juggle around. That could be it because I. <laughs> See, here's the thing. When when you're reviewing a movie, then you just review whatever you review, right? You right. see everything and you review it. When we're doing this show, yeah. I don't know that I specifically am too interested, and I guess I, I don't really know that I think anyone else would be especially interested in me going to see a movie that I know that I'm not going to like and then not liking it. And then telling why you were right, you know. Yeah. Which sometimes that's not going to be avoidable, right, you I have guess. To do it. But I think there are certain movies that I, I just know I'm not going to like so much. And you know what can I what Let can I guess. tell you for a really long time? <laughs> I see the Chernobyl Diaries is coming up, so maybe that's another. Uh, you know, I I I don't even know that much about that one. I just saw. We saw the preview. I saw it's, the, the, it's the found footage at Chernobyl. Right. Them. I saw the trailer, and you know, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not utterly opposed to. I'm so tired of found footage movies. To those movies, I am kind of over that, you know. But, right. Uh, all right. Anyway, moving on to uh, five twenty-five. It's Men in Black Three or Chernobyl Diaries, and right. I, I guess we're leaning towards Men in Black. I don't know. Three. I don't know. <laughs> we'll, I, we'll figure it out. Um. You know, neither we should be talking about if we're looking forward to them. Obviously, I'm looking forward to The Raven, and right. The Avengers is The Avengers. Right. I think we're both completely looking forward to Dark Shadow. It's going to be fun and interesting. And uh, I think neither one of us have a lot of interest in the end of May at all. 
Not really. <laughs> Not really. I'm hoping something surprises me. Battleship, but... Men in Black. What yeah. to, I, I think part of the best chance without going back to the dictator is maybe what to expect when you're expecting will surprise. It might be a really funny, like just fast paced version of it. Right. So it, it, I'm not holding could it. Could work out. I'm not holding out for it, but I'm not holding it down I, either. It, yeah. could, it could surprise you. I have not loved the trailers, Yeah. but I have also clearly found that the people <laughs> who make trailers don't know how to talk to me that well. No, so they, they need to lose their jobs. Th- they might, they might be trying to suck in other people. They think right. are going to buy tickets. Right. <clears throat> When the movie actually turns out to appeal more to me, that wouldn't be the first time that ever happened, right. for yeah. sure. Um, then we hit June, and June 1st, we have Snow White and the Huntsman, yep. and Piranha 3 Double D, right. which I really also don't want to see. Really? <laughs> All right. I don't. I, I don't. I'll have to work on you. I, I'm, if I need to see some topless women, right. I, I don't need to see this movie, for one thing. Right. But I don't know. That... It, it was dumb enough once for me, and I don't even have, uh, you know, I don't even hold anything against. I think the dumb movie. Right. I, I think it was actually a fairly good dumb see, this movie. Is, this is a vehicle I would say, look, let you know what you're expecting. Let's go see what it's supposed to be, and see if it meets <laughs> your. Let's put your litmus test for good movies here to the test with that, and see if it can surpass what now, you I, think it's trying I, to be. I think it. I think it would be a good example <laughs> because. I think the first one right was you know it was what was it trying to be and how well did it did it do did that it succeed, and know? I think there was a level of legitimacy to what it was trying to be it was trying to be just like a dumb movie and have some fun right this one I think far less legitimate in what it's trying to be right I mean it's it's gone it's it's gone too right. far it's crossed the line point. right <laughs> So, okay, Snow White and the Huntsman, that's obviously yep. the big giant thing. Yep. And the next week after that, we're not going to get nearly as far in this as I thought. But, no. we, but we, <laughs> we went on the first part a lot longer than I thought. No one even cares. Maybe at, the end, maybe at the end of you know, May. Moonrise Kingdom. Covering, you know, Christopher in our – hey, that is actually uh, a guy who writes at Are You Screening. Nice. Hi, Christopher. So he has checked in, and he says Moonrise Kingdom. And uh, I'm not sure what that is supposed to mean to me. (laughs) I don't know what he's trying to tell me there. Actually, I don't know when he said that. So, you know, that could have been a long time ago. Is that – that's not coming out. That was just a little while ago. That's not coming out really recently, though, is it? I don't remember the release date for it. I didn't think it was too far away. Maybe you've missed something off your sheet. I might have. Hello. It, It could be. Hello. It could be a week where you know something too big was in overshadowing to it, it, right? I guess in so far as what we we're actually run on three double D maybe. All right, but we are totally running out of time, and since I already said the beginning of June, I will say on June eighth there's Prometheus, Lola versus Madagascar three, and Safety Not Guaranteed. Uh-huh. All of which I am actually kind yeah. of interested in. We'll have off weeks, like so that's how you'll we'll be able to catch up right. stuff. But maybe we'll do another month when we get closer to the end of this one. So, right, okay. And right. actually, since we're going to end, I'm going to just make sure that this doesn't go any over. I guess since we have about less than thirty seconds right. here. All right, and just say thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in and subscribing and checking out the show. And actually, I do have to say, you know, the show has done really well. So I really have to say thank you to all the fans out there. And we will be back next week with 
The Raven. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. So check us at areyouscreening.com. Bye. Goodbye. Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with a spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway. Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with a spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway.